Good afternoon. I'm Nicholas Danforth, uh, here with Henri Barkey, the Bernard and Bertha F. Cohen Professor of International Relations at Lehigh University. So Henri, last week, uh, President Erdogan was in New York. I didn't get a chance to meet with him. I don't know if you did. But more importantly than that, President Biden did not meet with him either. Uh, what should we make of this? How was the uh, how was Erdogan's visit, and uh, what does it mean for U.S. Turkish relations? Well, I I didn't expect uh, Erdogan to meet with me or, or with President Biden, obviously. But uh, Biden did not meet with many people in any case. So between COVID and and the fact that he didn't have much time in New York, that was understandable. So, but more importantly, um, there were maybe two things that were important about his visit. One was that he was pushing his book in the streets of New York and um, uh, on billboards, etc. But more importantly, he did an interview with Margaret Brennan of CBS that was aired yesterday, and you can see the whole thing on the whole 32 minutes. There, he there were two major issues. One was the S-400s and um, the way he responded to uh, Margaret Brennan's questions appeared like nobody can interfere with what we want to do. Therefore, uh, if we need to buy a second one, we'll buy a second set of uh, S400s. And so, in a way, he kind of upped the ante. He, I'm not sure he was he wanted to do it, but Margaret Brennan kind of pushed him to in that direction. And the second issue was human rights violations, journalists in prison, which he denied having any journalists in prison, he said this is all fake news. He didn't trust the organizations that gave Margaret Brennan the information, uh, like the Committee to Protect Journalists. So it, it, it was kind of a, not a very good uh, public um, policy, um, uh, public relations um, opportunity for him. And it was fascinating for all that they were pushing this book, um, a more just world, sorry, a fairer world as possible, uh, on billboards across New York. It turns out you actually can't get an English copy of it yet, uh, even on Amazon. So I've just ordered the Turkish copy. I'm eager to find out what he has to say about UN reform. But that also seemed like an odd, in addition to having mistranslated the title in English um, on some of these billboards, the fact that you couldn't even buy the book he was advertising uh, was strange. But now, but listen. No, go ahead. I was going to ask you. He's going to Moscow from uh, from New York, or he must be on his way by now. And he's going to meet with Putin, and they're probably going to talk about Syria and what to do with Idlib. So, what do you think is happening there? So that raises the stakes exactly, and alongside the S four hundred issue. Uh, where I agree. I mean, originally it was buying the first set of S-400s that was the Declaration of Turkish Sovereignty and Independence from America. Now, suddenly, it seems like buying a second batch uh, is necessary. But this also, of course, as you say, is related to his upcoming visit to Moscow. Uh, Turkey and Russia have developed a remarkable kind of competitive collaboration or collaborative competition Throughout the region, uh, they seem to find themselves on opposite sides of regional proxy fights, and yet somehow as a result of these proxy fights, both come out stronger at the expense of the United States and the West. Uh, the most explosive of these, however, and the one that really does strain the Turkish-Russian dynamic, is in northern Syria, where Turkish-backed rebels have now been squeezed into a small corner of uh, northwestern Syria and Idlib by repeated regime advances. 
Uh, over the last five years, we've seen a pattern where uh, Syrian troops with Russian support uh, repeatedly push back Turkish-backed rebels. Uh, there's then an agreement between Russia and Turkey that's hailed as a new ceasefire, hailed as a new uh, new proof of these two countries' ability to resolve regional disputes. That holds for about a year or so, and then there's a new Russian and regime push, and Turkish troops and their allies fall back. Uh, in spring of 2020, Turkey seemed like it was very much eager to break this pattern. Uh, it sent an enormous number of troops to Idlib uh, in the hopes of preventing more regime advances. That held for about a year and a uh, year and a half. Now you see uh, regime forces firing artillery, Russian air force bombing rebel positions in Idlib. Uh, Turkey, in response to this, has sent several thousand more troops into the territory. Uh, and it's, you know, this puts a lot of strain on the Turkish-Russian relationship going into Erdogan's meeting with Putin, which I think is part of my quote behind his rhetoric about the S-400s. Um, you know, and it's a, it's getting to be a more explosive situation. I mean, I think there's a sense amongst possibly Russians, amongst possibly people in Damascus, uh, that once again, you know, once they, they start bombing Turkish positions, the Turkish government will fall back. Uh, that seems like a reasonable assumption. On the other hand, you know, Turkey has over 10,000 troops uh, in this territory. It's, um, that's, a, that's a lot for a bluff. And so we'll see what's going to happen. Well, I think there's an effort now by the Russians and the Syrians to convince everybody that this Syrian regime is here to stay. And therefore, it's time for you to make your peace with, with the existence of the regime. And, and even Washington may be starting to move in that direction too, because this civil war is not going to end, on, and maybe this is a way to end it.